Bismillah, Alhamdulillah. You're listening to Islam today. You can visit a rebroadcast of this program by visiting Islam Today at IBN.net. That's the Islamic Broadcasting Network, IBN.net. Today's program is in association with IPC, the Islam Presentation Committee in Kuwait. And we're actually in Kuwait, and we're visiting with some of our Muslim brothers and sisters, friends and guests from all around the world. And our subject, very appropriately, is Islam, Muslims, and the modern age. And I'm Yusuf Estes, the national chaplain for Islam today, and the delegate to the United Nations World Peace Summit for Religious Leaders. It gives me pleasure to have a chance to talk on my favorite subject, which is Islam, and certainly it's appropriate for us to talk about what's happening in the modern age. The verses we heard read earlier from the Quran truly reflect what a Muslim is supposed to be like in any age. I hope you were listening and thinking when it was mentioned how the treatment should be for the parents, for the relatives, and others. Because Islam is very, very much based on rights. Or as we say in Arabic, al-haqq. Everything has haqq. Everything has rights in Islam. The first haqq or rights are those of your Lord. So let's begin by looking and examining what Islam teaches us about our Lord. As we look out through creation, we realize that there must be a creator. Something doesn't originate out of nothing. I recall one prison that I was visiting once, and I asked, in our country it's very common to ask people to raise their hands for different things. You do that to help them stay awake. But I asked the question, is there anybody here who does not believe in God at all? And one man raised his hand. Now keep in mind we had hundreds of prisoners there that say they believe in something. But one man raised his hand. He said, I don't believe in anything. I said, well, you know, you're pretty brave because you're willing to stand up in front of all these people who do believe and say that you don't. But I want to ask you something. How did you get here? Who's taking care of you? How did you develop? Where did you come from? Do you think that everything came out of nothing? Where did everything come from? How did it get there? And where did life come from? Can you explain that to me? He shook his head. He said it didn't matter. I asked him to think. If you know for sure that something has a creator, then there ha that something's created, then there must be a creator. When you look at an automobile, a Mercedes-Benz, a Jaguar, a Honda, a Toyota, or a Volkswagen, like I got, and you think, I don't have to see the manufacturer of this car to know that somebody made it. I am not stupid. I do not think that cars fall out of the sky. I know somebody makes them. If there's an earthquake in Silicon Valley in California where we make all those computers, computer components, do we think that in the night the earthquake's going to shake and all the parts will fall down on the floor and the next morning we'll open the door and there'll be a brand new computer sitting there operating all on its own? Of course not. The chances of accidentally creating one molecule of protein are so minute that it cannot be calculated within the existing universe. We do not have 
the resources nor the space to make the calculation of the number. There's a number, a fraction, of what the accidental possibility of having molecules come together to form a protein molecule. And that, by the way, is the essence of life. Without protein, there's no life. Okay? So how did it happen? By accident? I want to ask you a question. I want to ask a fair question. The man said, go ahead. If you take this glass right here, okay, and hold it over the cement and you drop it, what will happen? Is there any doubt in your mind what will happen? Is there any possibility, one in a billion, one in a trillion, one in a... What's after trillion? The big numbers, whatever. That if you drop it, it will break into exactly six little small glasses that you can drink out of. Never. Never. You won't even say, that's not even an equation that I want to deal with. If you took a bag and you dropped ten marbles in that bag and each one had a number, one through ten, and you tried to pull them out in order, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Without being able to see. Do you know what the chances are of doing that? One in twenty-six million. Yeah. Think, how is it possible that you as a human being could be here and today listening to me speak, talking to you, alive, where did we come from? Did we create ourselves? And the man said, well, I believe that all people are self-made. I said, are you your own God? He said, yes. I said, you're your own God. That's pretty good. Hey, for me, I'm a non-God, okay? Can you do something for me? He said, what? I said, you give a free demonstration, just like make one hair grow out while we watch or something small. He just stared at me. I said, okay, if you're some kind of God, why don't you just don't eat for about six months and don't drink? What will happen? He said, I'll die. I said, well, okay, then drink all you want. Drink all you like. Drink tea, drink water, coffee, chai, kahwa. I didn't say that. I was in a prison. He wouldn't know what I was talking about. But then don't go to the bathroom for 24 hours. And you can't do that either. Such is God. Where did we come from? This is very important. This is the key to Islam. If you don't understand this, you don't need to hear the rest of the lecture. I'm serious. Because this is the first hawk in Islam. The first rights in Islam is the rights we owe to the one who created us in the first place. How did we get here? Who created us? Where are we going? And what is our purpose in this life? Well, when we think about it and we look under a microscope, we find that everything is very organized. Everything is very organized. The molecules, the way they work with each other. The atoms, how they work within each other in systems. And even the atom itself broken down into the neutrons, the protons, and the electrons. Everything swimming in orbits, going around and around. Round circles, balls going around orbiting. And then if we take a telescope and look to the universe, we see the same thing. Don't we? Round things going around round things. Who did this? Is this an accident? And for those who say, well, human beings came from monkeys. This is amazing. That's amazing. Why would you say that? Well, I know, I got a brother-in-law too, but that's not what I meant. Human being is an amazing complex system 
that cannot be duplicated by other human beings. We can't. We've tried, by the way. It can't be done. And think about this. If we can't even make a proton by accident, and a human being is so complex, why would we say that we had to come from a monkey? It's obvious there's a creator, and he wouldn't need to bring things from a monkey. The scientists tell us today that actually we are closer to the pig than we are the monkey. They use parts of a pig. If you have a heart problem and you need to have a valve put in there, they can take one from a pig and it will work in you, but it won't work out of a chimpanzee or an orangutan or a gibbon or a gorilla. It won't work. And nobody wants to say they evolved from a pig, do they? But in reality, it's not just about logic. It's about something much, much more important. It's something called the heart. It's something called spirit, heart, emotion, feeling, compassion. Where does that come from? How many centuries do you think it would take for a rock to have feelings? Huh? How many millions of years before a rock would start feeling pain? Never! So it's obvious there's a Creator. We have to acknowledge that there's a Creator. And at the same time, we have to acknowledge that this Creator is the one who also takes care of us. Sustainer. In Arabic, as-samad. Eternally providing for the creation which depends on Him. It's amazing what Allah said about Himself in His book, the Holy Quran, in Arabic. To try to translate Quran to English or any language is difficult at best because the Arabic language is very powerful and the Quran within Arabic is uncomparable. It cannot be duplicated even in Arabic. But I'll try to give you the meaning. It says, say. This is talking to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when people ask him about his God because they had gods that they worshipped. They had things that they worshipped, sticks and stones and rocks and bones. So they ask him, who's your God related to? Is it like the son of this God or the son of that God or the relation of this God? And Allah gives the answer in the Quran. Say to them, he is Allah. And Allah is Allah's name. And at the same time, it comes from a root. Elah means something you worship ilaha means several it's the plural but Allah means the only one because it can't be duplicated you can't make two Allah's the word can only be singular never plural and never can it have a gender never can it be a man or woman it's Allah amazing amazing call who Allah who I had it means say he is Allah, the unique, the one that is sought after through all eternity by his creation. He's not fathered and he's not born. He doesn't give birth. He doesn't have genealogy. And there's nothing in the creation that compares to him. He is unique. This is the description of Allah. Maybe you in your mind have thought about this and wondered, what is, what is the God like? Well, here he gave a description of himself. And as I was explaining this to the man in the prison, he was just staring and thinking. And then I asked him a question. I said, if you're a God, obviously you must have some kind of power. He nodded his head. He said, yeah. And I've seen people do the same thing. They think they have power. You know, I can do this, I can do that. Maybe I'm stronger than somebody else. Maybe somebody's stronger than me. Maybe we'll have a fight. Maybe I'll win. What is that? 
You don't know. It's a maybe. You don't have willpower. You don't have willpower. I'll prove it. Who will promise me that tomorrow morning, for sure, no doubt in your mind, tomorrow morning you'll be alive? Huh? You don't know that. You wish. But there were a lot of people last night that thought they would be alive today, and they're not. And a lot of them are Muslims, but that's another story. What I'm saying is that we need to think about it before it's too late. Tonight's a real good night to think about what I'm saying. There is some creator. Regardless of what you call him, there's got to be a creator out there. And if there is a creator, it can only be one. Because if there were two, Allah said in the Quran, they would fight against each other. They would compete. My creation's better than your creation. doesn't work like that. Allah is alone, unique. When we consider all of this and we reflect, we realize if something created me and is taking care of me, maybe when I die, he's going to do something else with me too. Maybe. Maybe my body will die, but maybe something of me inside may keep going. Try to imagine yourself non-existent. Close your eyes, close your ears, and just try to imagine you don't exist anymore. And you can't do that. It's impossible. Because as long as you can think, then you can't imagine you're not there. Islam teaches... Every single person will die. But Islam also teaches us that every single person will be raised up on Yom Kiyama, on the day of standing. We'll all be brought back. This is good news. Very good news. Islam teaches that every single Buddhist and Hindu, and Christian, and Jew, and Muslim, and atheist, people who don't even believe in Allah, they will still be brought back. Good news. Nobody's going to be left out. Of course, the bad news is there's only two places to go, paradise and hell. And they're eternal, and there's no recycling. Allah doesn't recycle. You recycle paper, or bottles, or cardboard, but Allah doesn't recycle. You got one shot, and then it's over. And that's it. If you doubt it, just wait. We're waiting. So I asked the man, if you've got this kind of power, this kind of will, he's got this smile on his face like, you know. I said, then I've got to ask you a question. Because me, a non-God, you know. Why are you here in prison? This is amazing because all the other people here would like to leave. And if you're some kind of God, obviously you must want to be here. He has no answer for that. And I'll ask you the same question. Why are you in this life? Did you will yourself to be here? Why are you in the situation you're in today? Why aren't you better off than you are? Why don't you have the things you want? Because they're just wants. You don't really have the will to get it. But who does? And that's a good question. This first part of our subject is so important that many times I've devoted almost 90% of the time to this because then as soon as you understand it, the rest comes into place very quickly. Very quickly. The first right is the right of the Creator on His creation that they should do what? He says in His book, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِعَبَدُونَ He said, I only created you guys for one purpose, to worship Me alone without any partners. If what I said is correct, it means that we need to think real hard about the rights that our Lord has over us. And that is the right He demands, that we not set up partners with Him in worship. 
that we do not worship a rock, a stick, a stone, a bone, or a tree, but rather that we worship the one who created all of those things. That's the first right. And it would have to be on his terms. I want you to think about something. Suppose somebody said, well, I believe in God. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful start. And I believe that he's really unique. He's not in his creation, but rather he's all-powerful, and he created everything. This is fantastic. And they said, does that make me a Muslim? No, it sure doesn't. Because something's missing, the rights. The rights that the God has on us, which is what? Worship. You say, oh, oh, okay, I pray to him all the time. Oh, you do? Yeah, anytime I want something, I always pray to my God. Well, now it sounds much better. We're getting close. Yep, I'm always asking him. So that sounds good. In fact, I gave an example of that one time. Suppose you're driving down the road, you know, and you see somebody needs a ride. So you pick him up, you give him a ride, you and your friends are talking to him, and he says, you know what, I don't know anything about Islam, but I believe there's only one God. You said, hey, that's great, that's what we believe. He said, but I believe that really all worship has to be only to him. Wow, that's what we believe. Well, he must be a Muslim and didn't know it. Okay, but then he said, stop the car, stop the car. And you're driving out in a farm somewhere, you know. And he, you stop the car and he runs out to a huge tree, great big tree. And he walks over and he starts praying to the tree. And then he comes back and you go, what? I thought you believe in God. He said, I do. I thought you only pray to God. He said, I do. Well, what was that? He said the tree was God. Oops. We didn't clarify something. We don't put him in the creation. And what is worship? If a person said, well, I worship the tree to get to the God because it's the tallest tree on earth or the biggest mountain on earth or some kind of holy water or some animal or some human and you said, I'm praying to the God but through this thing. If this is the case, consider this. Who's taking care of this animal? Will he die? Yeah. Who's taking care of the tree? Will it die? Yeah. And even a rock can't run away when it's raining, like today. He has to sit out there and get wet, doesn't he? So why would we worship something that's in worse condition than we are? Amazing. Allah said in the Quran, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, Wa tini wa zaytun wa turisinin wa hadabaladil ameen, Lakara khalaqna l'insana fi ahsani taqweem. The meaning more or less the English might mean that Allah says, I swear by the fig and the olive and Mount Sinai and this city made safe that I created the human being in the best form. Allah called us the best form. The human being is the best form of Allah. But then, and then reduced him to the lowest of the low. There's nothing lower than a human being who cannot say thank you to his Lord, to give the rights to his Lord. Fourteen hundred years ago, this message came real clear in the Arabian desert. But that's not the first time it came. Hundreds of years before that, it came... In the area now where you were seeing a lot of problems, in Jerusalem, it came with Jesus. The same message came in Egypt thousands of years ago with Moses. Peace be upon both of them. And before that, it came in what is now Iraq, your next door neighbor over here, with Abraham. Peace be upon him. The message was the same when it came with Noah, the one who went in the ship out in the water. When Allah drowned all of the ungrateful wretches that would not worship Him. And before that, with Adam himself, the message came the same. Worship God. Don't make partners with Him. And worship Him the way He wants. So the first thing is the right of worship to Him alone. The second is the right of worship on His terms. What are His terms? 
Let me give you an idea about that. Suppose a boy goes to his mama. He said, Mama, I love you. She said, that's nice. Why don't you show me? You know, there's a lot of work around here that needs to be done. Why don't you do something? He said, Mama, I love you. Okay, great. Show me. The next day he shows up. He said, Mama, I love you. And I brought you something. She said, what did you bring? He opens it up. It's flowers. She said, I'm allergic to flowers. They make me break out all over. He said, yeah, but I like them. And I got them real cheap at Kmart. She said, this is love. He said, Mama, I love you. Next day, he comes again. Got another box. What do you have? Not flowers. Open it up. She said, look at this. Candy. You're giving me candy. I'm diabetic. You'll kill me. I'll die. He said, I know, but I like candy and I got a good deal at Kmart. But Mama, I love you. Who does he love? He loves himself in his pocketbook. His mouth is saying something that he is not showing. So if she said, Honey, I, I want you to mow the lawn. That's the best thing. I want you to wash the dishes. I want you to wash the car. I want you to take me to the market. That's what I want. And he said, No, Mom, I'm just going to keep bringing you stuff that I like. So when Allah, the one who created, the one who gave you life, the one who gives you death, the one who takes care of you in between, who gave you a brain, who lets you think, who repairs your body when it gets broken, asks you to do something, and you said, nah, I'll do it my way. And he asked us to do what? وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُقْلِسِينَ اللَّهُ دِينَهُ نَفَاءَ وَيُكِمُ السَّلَاةَ وَيُتِزْكَاءَ وَذَلِكَ الدِّينُ كَيْمَةَ And they were ordered nothing more than to worship Allah alone. Keep the religion pure for Him. Establish the regular salat, the prayers, the five prayers like we do today. And pay the poor due. Give something to the people who are hungry, starving, less fortunate than you. Give something. And this is the religion of Allah. He hasn't asked you to do something you can't do. In fact, He's asked you to do something you were created to do. This is your purpose. If you have a car, an automobile, but it doesn't have a motor in it, can it do its purpose? No. And when it comes to purpose, I want you to think about you. How would it be if you worked for your job all year and they said, we're going to pay you at the end of the year. We'll give you some food. We'll give you a place to sleep. But you're going to get all your money at the end of the year. And at the end of the year, you went up to get your money. They said, here's your money. Here's your KD. And you said, nah, it's okay. Just keep it. I don't really want it. No way. Never. If you ordered a suit... And you told him my dimensions are so-and-so, my neck is so-and-so, my length is so-and-so, this is the fabric I like, here's the money, and you paid for it, and they got a beautiful suit. Would you just say, that's okay, keep it? Of course not. If you can see the purpose that you have, how about the purpose that the one who created you has? So this now shows us the second and most important of the rites is to worship the God on His terms. Once we do that, then we're ready to look at all the other rites in the world. This comes together real fast now, because when you really believe in the God and you worship Him on His terms, that means you understand the message. And the message came in the Quran, and the Quran has ordered us as Muslims to give everybody their rights. Every single person has rights in Islam. And all men are equal in Islam. And the women are equal to the men. I get a lot of people that criticize Islam because they're so ignorant. I'm talking about my country. We have educated idiots. Oh, yeah, they got degrees. They got so many degrees. I told one man, he said, so many degrees. I said, why didn't you just go to the drugstore and buy a thermometer? You can get all the degrees you want on that. It does no benefit if you can't use your brain. And look at Islam, how sweet and beautiful. 1,400 years ago, Islam came and freed all the people. 
because the Prophet said in his last speech called the Khutbah al-Hajjah when he told everybody in Hajj and he said the translation of the meaning that no black person is better than a white person and no white person is better than a black. He said no Arab is better than a non-Arab and no non-Arab is better than an Arab. But the best of us are the ones with Allah who have God-fearing taqwa, al-bir. It means to be close to Allah by fearing Him and being afraid to displease Him, to want to serve Him on His terms. This came 1400 years ago. Islam, Islam encourages freeing slaves, freeing slaves, letting people go, let them have rights at a time when everybody practically was some kind of a slave to somebody. And women's rights in Islam, that's, that's an amazing thing because Islam elevated a woman up very quickly at a time when they weren't even considered human in the Catholic Church. In the 7th century, the Catholic Church was still debating whether or not a woman even had a soul. But Islam said, oh, she's got a soul. In fact, she has the full rights of anybody else. And when Allah speaks to the men and the women in Surah Al-Hasab, which is chapter 33, verse 35 of the Quran, He particularly takes time to address the believing men and the believing women and the God-fearing men and the God-fearing women and those men who give charity and the women who give charity. And he goes down through a long list saying the men and the women and the men and the women and the men and the women all the way through. He never stopped doing that through the whole verse. It's amazing. It would be easy because in the translations, to make it easy, the translators do that. They go, for the men and women who fear God and for the men and women who give charity. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Pay attention. Allah gave so much respect to the women that He particularly did it this way. Additionally, the women in Islam are leaders. They're leaders actually above men. And I know a lot of brothers are going to go, huh? Hey man, you know you're in Kuwait, don't you? I'm going to share something with you tonight you probably never thought of, but when I tell you, you're going to go, oh, that's right. The Quran says that men are above women by a degree. So a lot of people said, oh, see, it says right there men are better than women. It doesn't say that. In fact, if you read the explanation of the Quran, it's very clear when it says that this means the man has a degree of responsibility over the woman. When a, and look at it and figure it out. You don't have to be a rocket scientist here, folks. Okay, You don't have to be a genius to understand when you look at the rules. Rule number one, when a man marries a woman, he has to give her money. Does she give him anything? Nope. Money. Give me money. Okay, thank you, honey. I like the money. That's where it starts. Okay? Next, he immediately has to have a house for her. Can't, well, let's go live in the street. Nope. Get a house. Okay. Clothes. You've got to give her clothes. Oh, okay. Food. Give her food. Oh. Yeah, but, but she has, you know, she has a degree. She has a job. She's a teacher. You know, and I'm just a low guy out here doing so and so. Well, then get another job because guess what? In Islam, she doesn't have to give you a dime. Oh, yeah. A lot of American women come to Islam after they realize how beautiful it is. Many Many women all over the world are entering Islam. Ten to one over the men. We don't know what to do with them. I'm serious. Why don't you guys come over and take some of them? Bring them back over here. That we don't have to depend, have them depend on us. They have rights. They depend on us Muslims. We have to take care of them. I know they're there. Alhamdulillah. The praise is to Allah. So these rights are everywhere. The women have rights on society, rights on their father, rights on their brothers, rights... Oh, by the way, they're brothers. Have you ever wondered why when somebody dies in Islam, the woman doesn't get the same amount her brother gets? Do you know why? Because she gets to keep all of hers, but her brother has to take care of her if something happens to her husband. That's right. Women don't have to spend their money 
for anything if they don't want to. But, by the way, just in case my wife is listening tonight, uh, it, charity is nice. Sadaka is a good thing. You can always give something to your husband. <laughs> it's, very, it's appreciated, and there's a lot of reward with the love, by the way. So the rights that people were given 1,400 years ago, the rights of the elderly, the rights of your parents, the Prophet wasallam, peace be upon him, look what he said. He said that the paradise, the doors to paradise are beneath your mother's feet. One of my friends from Balad Hashem, who knows where that is? Huh? Syria. And he told me when he was a boy, a young boy, he heard his mother tell him that. So when she fell asleep on the couch, he lifted up her feet and looked. He said, I don't see anything. It's amazing the rights that the mother has in Islam. One of the companions to Muhammad, peace be upon him, asked, after Allah's rights that he has, and after the rights that you have on me, because there's rights for the Prophet to, to obey what he says to do. After those rights, who has the most rights on me? He said, your mother. Oh, wow. After the worship of Allah, the following of Muhammad, peace be upon him, then the most rights is actually to my mother. He said, then who? He said, your mother. Huh? And then, your mother. Look at that. Your mother, your mother, your mother, and then your father. And the Prophet ﷺ, peace be upon him, said something to translate to English. The best from you are the best to your wives, and I'm the best of you to my wives. I said earlier that women are leaders in Islam. Is that true or false? There are more leaders than men are in Islam. Why? I'll show you two examples. One is practical. Whenever we pray as men, we have one leader who steps out in the front and we follow him. We do. But when ladies pray by themselves, they also have a leader. But she doesn't have to step out in front. She can lead right in the line and they can still pray. You know why? Because Allah knows they're capable of following a leader without having to watch. That's supposed to be funny. The other proof, and this is really the main proof, the word imam, that means a leader, one in front. Many people tell you, no way a woman's going to be an imam. Have you ever heard that? These are ignorant people that don't understand because they don't know what imam really means. It's a leader. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you, what is the root in the Arabic language for the word imam? Comes from what? Um. Amma, and that's your ummi, your mother. Right or wrong? Is that right? Amma, um, ummi, my mother. Here's the leaders right over here. These are the future right here. They have inside of them the future people who will be on this earth. They're the real leaders. People say, oh, it just has a job. She's just a housewife. She's just a mother. Just a mother? That's almost as bad as saying just God. How'd you get here? You didn't come the way I came? You took a bus? Hello? Your mother? So Islam is giving big, big respect to the woman. And that's why Islam demands the man to get a good job as he can, provide his, for her as best he possibly can, and make it easy for her to take care of the children that she has because she's the one who will nurse them, rock the cradle, raise them up, teach them how to think, teach them how to talk, and teach them the Qur'an, and teach them how to be responsible, good citizens. The Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, told one man, 
that had some daughters, because they used to complain about having daughters, by the way. In fact, some of the ignorant Quraysh, they used to bury their daughters alive because they considered it a horrible, horrible event to have a girl born instead of a boy. But the Prophet, peace be upon him, told a man, if you raise four daughters up as good Muslims, you will jump over the bridge into paradise. Mm. Somebody said, what about three? He said, and three. What about two? And two. Now, one of my friends said, what about one? I said, I don't know. I got two daughters. I didn't worry. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. The praise is only to Allah. When you think about it, the rights have been there. Now, if you say to me, well, wait a minute. I know Muslims that aren't doing that. That doesn't mean Islam is wrong, does it? The teaching is clear. The teaching is clear. What Muslims do is another matter. If Muslims follow Islam, and they used to follow it very nicely, you will see the best society on earth. For over a thousand years, Islam was the very best in every direction, in every possible place you would go, from China all the way to Spain. The known world was completely engulfed with the teachings of Islam. Even the Europeans used to go to Spain to learn because they had no education centers, universities, and science. The modern science we have today originated with the scholars of Spain. It was a big deal in Europe if your children could speak some Arabic. You would be proud. My child said something today. What did he say? What did he say? He said, Wallahi, Wallahi. Whoa, good. That's something Arabic. Yeah. Think about it. But what Muslims do doesn't represent Islam. Islam is the guide for Muslims to go by. If you want to know what's Islam, then look to the teachings. If you want to be a Muslim, be one and be your best. And maybe, like in my case, I used to be an enemy to Islam. I was a preacher for Christianity. Until I found out the truth of what we were really preaching and why we were preaching it and who was supporting us. And I realized the lies that was in the group that I was with. And I realized the truth of Islam. I didn't want to be a preacher anymore. I didn't want to go to Islam either though because I said, well, I don't want to be like a Muslim. But it wasn't until one day when I put my head down on the ground because I'd seen my friend named Muhammad, by the way. He used to do that all the time. I said, let me try that out once. And when I put my head on the ground and I asked, Oh God, guide me. When I raised up my head, I knew the problem I had in my life wasn't on the outside. It was on the inside. I knew instinctively right away the problem that I'm experiencing is called prejudice. I have preconceived notions of everything and I'm right about everything I do. If you feel like that, I'm right. I know everything. No, nobody can tell me anything. That you, then you're just where I used to be. But if you can get to the point where you can open your heart and your mind and say, well, maybe I'm wrong. Let me look at this again. Maybe I can have room for mistake here. Maybe I can have a margin of error. That's what I did. In doing so, I became aware of a lot. I tried to change that. Eleven years, I'm still trying to do it. And I'm no better than any other Muslim, so don't look at me either. But I will tell you this. Even a bad Muslim, even a bad Muslim, is better than a person who doesn't believe at all. Because at least there's hope that he'll stop doing the things that he does and turn around and give the rights to the Lord of the universe and give the rights to Muhammad, peace be upon him, give the rights to his mother, give the rights to his father, the rights to his sisters and brothers and the rights to his wife, the rights to his children, the rights to his community and the rights to all of us. Because that's what a Muslim's supposed to do. The modern age, and this is the end of the talk, by the way, so it's time to wake up. 
The modern age is what? If you're looking to the West, if you're looking to Great Britain, we, they call it British Kingdom now, and if you're looking to Canada or you're looking to America as being the place, or France or Germany, I've been in those countries many times, especially America. I've been there quite a bit. My wife says I'm not there enough, but the point, I see what they're doing, and I'm not so sure you really want that. I'm speaking now to all of the group here. I'm talking about the Muslims who are thinking it looks better over there. And I'm going to ask you a question that I asked in Karachi, Pakistan, several years ago to a very large gathering. And I want you to be honest. Think about this. Muslims. I'm just talking about Muslims. Do you have a friend? Do you have somebody you really treat as a friend, you like them, and you trust them. And when I asked that, everybody there put their hand up in the air. Yes, I have one. I said, about two. Everybody put their hand again. Three, four, five. Even when I got to ten, most of the people still were saying, yeah, I've got friends like that. My This relative, that relative, this good friend, the one I went to school with, another one I grew up with, one I do business with. I could trust all of them. If anything happened to me, they would take care of my family. They would take care of my house. They would take care of my shop. I said, well, enjoy it, because if you come to America, I'm going to tell you something. I lived under that oppression, believe it or not, oppression, for almost 50 years. And I never had one single friend that I would really trust. Every single person that I knew and in my own family, even today, is out for one thing, what I can get out of it. My own stepmother died a few weeks ago. And because I travel, I couldn't go down there for the funeral. Well, at the time I heard about it, they had already buried her. Her son, because she was with her son. But because they were staying in my father's house, my sisters contacted me for one reason. You know what it was? So they could get into the house and clean it out and take everything in it for themselves. I said, hold on a second. My dad's still alive. He's living with me. I said, yeah, well, he has Alzheimer's now, so he doesn't need anything. And he does. My father, alhamdulillah, he accepted Islam before he got this disease. But now he has no mind at all. My sister said, why do you bother with him? Just put him in an old folks' home. Did you hear the verse earlier in the Quran? That when they get old, you take care of them and lower the wing of mercy to them. Because they took care of you when you couldn't even walk or talk. They cared for you. And this is it. You just throw them. And in our country, that's a big business to take old people and put them in retirement centers. Assisted living. Look at the words that they use. It means you're going to just lock them up in a building somewhere and check on them twice a day and see if they need to change their diaper or if they need to throw some food at them. And a lot of these people, they have nothing. They can't think anymore. They need somebody to care for them and tell them, My father, I love you. I want to mention one more thing in closing about this subject. And I want you to think about it. It's a true story. It happened to me a few months ago. When I am home, I spend most of the time at the computer because of our internet website and a lot of email we get from all over the world. And while I was sitting at the computer trying to work it, put up with the things computers do, I could hear my two daughters out in the kitchen, and they were fighting with each other. It's your turn to wash the dishes. No, uh, it's your turn. I washed them yesterday. Yes, but you washed them because the time before it was your turn, and you didn't do it, and I did it, and now it's your turn. And I listened, and I said, what is this? And I got fed up, and I stood up, and I started to walk to the kitchen. I said, where am I going? If I walk in the kitchen, they're going to smile at me and go, Hi, Daddy. Assalamualaikum. And then I'm going to say, Hello, darling. And I'm not going to do anything. I already know that. And I saw my father sitting in his chair, even though he doesn't have any mind anymore, just barely he can recognize me. I went over to him and I held him and I said, my father, I love you. And I hugged him and I went and sat down back at my work because I was remembering that probably I gave him a hard time the same way. 
A few minutes later, one of my daughters came out of the kitchen. She walked up to me and put her arms around me and kissed me. She said, Daddy, I love you. A few minutes later, the other one came out and did the same thing. They didn't know. What I'm saying is this. The one that created you has got everything in a balance. He's told you what to do. If you didn't understand the story, that's fine. But if you understood what I just said, then you know the one who created you is keeping up with everything. And it'll be all right, as long as you give the rights. There is no such thing as modern age, because Islam is the same for all times. The people in Rome thought they were in the modern age. The Rome was the civilization to top all civilizations. And then about, about 1,500 years ago, the Persians shoved them down in the ground. And then they came up on top again, and then they got shoved down again. The British came up real high, and then my country, huh, which was a British colony, turned around and kicked them all the way back to, <laughs> back to England. Each civilization thinks they're the modern age. And today, the United States and its allies consider themselves to be the modern age. But let me promise you something. Long after people forgot even where George Bush is buried, long after those buildings are rubble in the ground, there'll be somebody else saying the same thing about their modern age. Until Allah destroys all of the universe. And He will do that. He promised that. 1,400 years ago, nobody knew about that asteroid that's aimed right at us. How many of you heard about that? That exactly, exactly 800 years from right now, they estimate there's an asteroid that's going to collide with the Earth. How many of you heard about that? You didn't hear about it? You need to read more science magazines. It's for real. So maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe not. Maybe something will happen tomorrow. Point is this. You can't stop it. There's nothing we can do about those things. But there is something we can do. We can give the rights to the one who created us. And we can thank Him, praise Him, and then show the rights to the people around us. And if we do that, then we'll be in the most modern age that ever was. As far as I'm concerned, that's the true understanding of what's Islam and what's Muslims in this modern age. I ask Allah to forgive me for my mistakes. If I hurt anybody's feelings, that wasn't my intention. And I pray that I'll learn to do better. Thanks a lot for your attention. And for all of you, I say what Muslims say, Peace be with you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.